Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed From KQBD in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan that the Supreme Court struck down would have been huge for Californians who hold the largest share of federal student debt. Some 4 million borrowers in the state owe on average about $38,000, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. But the administration has announced other plans to help borrowers with a public hearing on broad student debt relief today. We take a closer look at Biden's alternative plans and what they mean for California as payments are set to resume in October after a three-year pandemic reprieve. Join us. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. After the U.S. Supreme Court struck down President Biden's debt cancellation plan on June 30th, he pledged to find new avenues to help students in debt. I'm never going to stop fighting for you. We'll use every tool at our disposal to get you the student debt relief you need and reach your dreams. It's good for the economy. It's good for the country. It's going to be good for you. That day, he announced details of the SAVE, or Saving on a Valuable Education Plan, which will allow some borrowers to cut their monthly payments in half and cancel the rest of their debt after making 10 years of payments. Then last week, the administration announced that it would cancel the student debt of more than 800,000 borrowers, 60,000 of them in California, who hold billions in debt. So will these efforts survive? Could you be a borrower who benefits? We learn more this hour. And joining me first is Akela Gardner, White House reporter for Bloomberg. Akela, welcome to Forum. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. All right. So while these new plans from Biden could really help some Californians, they are far short of his original debt cancellation effort that the Supreme Court struck down. Can you just first remind us what that was and why it was rejected? Right. So that original plan was estimated to cost about $400 billion in total. And what it proposed basically was to cancel at least $10,000 for borrowers who make $125,000 a year or households that make $250,000 a year. And if you received a Pell Grant, which is basically a category of grants that are given to people who um, are presumed to not be able to afford college or are in this category of very low income, you would receive $20,000 in debt forgiveness. So it was this massive plan, pretty far reaching to high income, middle income and low income borrowers alike. But these plans, as you mentioned, are nowhere near the size and scope of that original. 
Yeah, and the Supreme Court felt, wow, the scope of these make them basically an overstepping of his presidential authority. So he's now proposed a few other measures that he says are on firmer legal ground. Can you just give us a brief overview of those? Right. So his original plan was introduced under the HEROES Act, which basically is an emergency act that allows the Department of Education to forgive or to sort of step in in terms of federal student loans in the event of a war, or in this case, it was the COVID-19 pandemic. So they had sought to use that legal rationale originally. But now they're sort of pivoting and using the Higher Education Act, which is something that progressives had long called for Biden to use originally. But this act requires a much longer rulemaking process. So it requires, as some legal experts expect, at least a year It's going to require public comments. And we may not actually see the actual rules or the actual parameters of this, like we saw with Heroes, until 2024. Hmm. And what's the 800,000 borrowers immediately having their debt canceled thing? Yeah, so this is a little tricky because it's not necessarily a new program. I think the best way to look at this is the government sort of writing its wrongs. There has been this income-driven repayment plan since the Obama years. It's very similar to the SAVE program that we're now hearing, but is that program is a little bit more generous. But basically, this program has been mismanaged for many years, and borrowers who had been paying for their loans for 20 to 25 years hadn't been seeing debt cancellation as they were promised when they signed up for those programs. Mm -hmm. So this is them going back and saying, hey, some of these borrowers deserve to have their debt canceled. Some of their monthly payments weren't counted towards their total. And so now they're sort of going back and canceling that and making those wrongs right. So what are Republicans or other opponents of Biden's debt relief plan saying about these new efforts? Republicans generally, when it comes to debt relief, feel as though this is an unfair use of the government's money, particularly for people who chose not to go to college because it was too expensive and people who just straight out you know, went to trade jobs or just chose not to go that route. In their mind, taxpayer dollars should not be used for these efforts. And even this, 20, this $39 billion cancellation we saw, um, folks on the higher, the House Education Committee were calling it illegal and unfair, even though this program has been around for very, very many years. Um, so their stance on this is sort of that it's unfair and taxpayer dollars should not be used for these purposes. And do you think that it's likely to be challenged in the courts again? Also curious what you're hearing from folks and analysts or academics about whether Biden is more likely to survive legal challenges now. It's very interesting because the Higher Education Act, many legal experts believe, has gives Biden more power and more flexibility. But when Chief Judge Roberts gave his opinion, he actually mentioned this act in his opinion and sort of lays out how he believes it should only be used in very specific circumstances. So that includes maybe a borrower is bankrupt or perhaps the this borrower qualifies because they're a student or, or they're a public servant. So he believed it it's only to be used under very, very specific circumstances that, frankly, the Department of Education is already pursuing loan cancellation under. And if any other lower court or federal court looks at that president, they could glean from that that this is no longer legal because of the, the standard that the Supreme Court has set. And basically, Justice Roberts also concluded that this is something that is squarely in the power of Congress. He does not believe the president or the executive branch has the sweeping authority to pursue such wide-ranging student debt cancellation. 
Well, let me bring into the conversation now Selena Damien, who's a student loan serving, servicing ombudsperson for California's Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. Selena, thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So um, I had mentioned in my introduction that Californians really do stand out when it comes to federal student debt. Can you just give us a sense of the amount of debt California borrowers hold when it comes to student loans? Yeah, there's about 4 million Californians that have over $140 billion of debt, and most of that is federal student loan debt. Um, our default rate in California is not as high as other states, but it's it's in the mid-range, about 7.1. Mm. So those are going to be borrowers that are um, behind on making their payments at least 270 days and have those negative consequences imposed on them. Um, so we do have a lot of um, California borrowers with the average um, borrower having approximately $37,000 of student loans. And who in California tends to be disproportionately affected or holding student debt? Well, we know that the ones, um, the populations are women, um, low-income borrowers, first-generation borrowers, and Black borrowers who have the highest default rates. Mm. Well, payments are set to resume for borrowers in October after they've had this three-year pandemic pause. And there's been a lot of reporting, and we've heard from folks as well, that, that they're not ready, you know, with prices rising and so on. So are you worried a lot of people will be hit hard by this restart? And what are you telling them? Yes, um, I am. And our department is and a lot of the other agencies, uh, even Department of Education and the advocacy organizations are concerned because for over three years, borrowers have not had to make payments. Um, we know that once we get back into repayment, the ones that are going to be affected the most are those that were in default prior to the payment pause and the new cohort of borrowers. So those that graduated during uh, the pause, um, a lot of people were counting, a lot of borrowers were counting on the debt relief. And I don't think they were preparing themselves. They were just being very optimistic and they were not preparing themselves, calling servicers, updating the basics, updating their information, obtaining even their loan amounts, because they were really counting on this to go through. So now they have two, three months to prepare, and everyone is scrambling. And now we hear the news of this new 800,000 borrowers that are being forgiven, and many are confused. There's just a lot, a lot of confusion, whether that relief applies to them. There, A lot of them are thinking it's the same, uh, the Biden debt relief that was announced in the fall of last year. And so it's just, um, it's very, we're, we're trying to reach them to get this information because they, there is a lot of confusion. And we're afraid that they're just not going to be prepared for October when they are set to get back into repayment. Financial situations have changed. Now there's a new payment plan. So there just really is a lot going on. Yeah, I know California has passed legislation to try to strengthen basically the rights and resources that are available to California borrowers. Can you tell us what they are? 
Of course, of course. Um, DFPI is the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation is the state's uh, consumer protection agency. Um, in 2020, uh, 2019, they passed, um, we passed the Student Loan Servicing Act, which, which basically gave us the authority to regulate uh, student loan servicers of both federal and private debt. And then in 20, a year later in 2020, 2021, we passed, California passed the Student Borrower Bill of Rights or Assembly Bill 376. So what that did is it set standards for those servicers that we are regulating. So basically servicers who are the borrower's main point of contact have to work in borrower's best interest. So what the Bill of Rights does, it, it establishes those standards. It, it states that servicers have to provide borrowers the correct information. They have to give timely information if requested by the borrower. Late fees, it talks about capping late fees um, and a few other things. And then it also created my position, the ombudsperson position to advocate for student loan borrowers. So now student borrowers in California, student loan borrowers have these protections when they're dealing with their servicer. Well, it's really good to know about. And Selena, Damien, thank you for coming on to talk about them. Student loan services ombudsperson at the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation, a good resource. We're coming on a break, Kayla, but I know, as um, Selena mentioned, there's a rulemaking process uh, that that is happening now and that people are confused. The rulemaking process today at the Department of Ed, what's that for? Can you just tell us quickly? Yeah, so we're seeing a hearing today that several regulators across the government are regularly used to go through this process. And basically it takes what is usually just written comments and, and selects a few stakeholders, so outside groups, lawyers who specifically state what they hope the department considers in their process of rulemaking. Um, and so these are usually selected very strategically, people who are experts in the field, people who have an idea of what could be legally sound. Hmm. Well, a lot of people are calling this the launch of Biden's new plans as public rulemaking process in this hearing today. Thank you, Akela Gardner, White House reporter for Bloomberg. We are now going to dig into these new plans so that you aren't confused right after the break. Stay with us. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. It's been a whirlwind few weeks for millions of Californians struggling with student loan debt after the Supreme Court struck down President Biden's debt cancellation plan on June 30th. 
Since then, the administration has announced other plans to help borrowers, and now we're going to take a deeper dive into those, what they'll do and what's at stake for borrowers. And you, our listeners, are invited to join the conversation. What questions do you have about these new debt relief plans? Do you have student debt that you thought would be canceled but now must start paying again? How are you dealing with that? Do you think the federal government should be canceling student debt? You can email forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads. We're at KQED Forum. You can give us a call at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. Joining us now is Betsy Mayotte, founder of the Institute of Student Loan Advisors. Betsy, thanks so much for being with us. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, before we dig into the plans, I'd love to just ask you, as someone who has been working in this space for, you know, years and years, how unusual since, since are these the kinds cold. of... <laughs> since, since the earth cooled, yeah. <laughs> how unusual are these kinds of efforts that you're seeing on student loans? Oh my, these are extraordinary times in student loans. Um, as you mentioned, I've been around, um, I've been working in student loan compliance and advocacy for for decades. And I've researched the Higher Education Act um, and all the big actions that have been taken back to the 70s. And, I, and the word extraordinary doesn't cover what we've seen in just the past couple years uh, when it comes to actions taken to swiftly uh, at least try and in some and in many cases succeed um, in making things better for especially our most vulnerable student loan borrowers. And would you say that the condition that student loan borrowers are in is also unprecedented in terms of just how many and how much debt they hold? Well, well, yes, um, but that's because the student debt issue has sort of been a creeper issue. Um, you know, around the '90s, we kind of all started going, "Huh." Look at that debt. That seems to be growing and people seem to be having a harder time affording it. And then, you know, about every five or eight years, we'd go, huh, it's not getting any better. Um, and it, it is not it is the direction has always been up rather than down. Yeah, well, now we you know we've heard from our guests in the previous segment about the the big one that <laughs> failed at the Supreme Court. But there's also um these new plans. First, can you explain the $39 billion debt relief plan that was more recently announced by President Biden, which applies to some 800,000 borrowers? I mentioned some 60,000 could benefit in California. What are the details of this plan? How significant is this move and that borrowers should take advantage of if they can? Yeah. So, um, this, well, we're calling this the one-time <clears throat> account adjustment or the one-time income-driven plan adjustment. And the short answer is who this is going to benefit immediately the most are the people that have been paying on their loans as long as I've been in the student loan industry. In <laughs> other words, people who have been paying on their loans for decades and still have a balance. So those are the people that could stand to receive immediate forgiveness once the adjustment is done on their account. And, you know, to answer the question that is always the first one to pop up, there actually is no application for this. Right. They're going to automatically apply this adjustment on every single eligible loan um, sometime between August 12th and some the end of 2024. Um, they're going to start with the people 
that will end up getting forgiveness right away as a result of the adjustment and then sort of work their way through the queue. But essentially what this is, is since 1994, we've had these repayment plans that the umbrella term we use for them are income-driven repayment plans. And there's five or six of them, and they're all exactly the same except where they're different. Uh, but what they have in common is that they all base the borrower's payment on their family size and income. And if they're on the plan for either 20 or 25 years, if there's still a balance at the end, then that balance will be forgiven. So the problem is, is that, you know, at like any good government regulation, there's a lot of if, ands, buts, or maybes. Um, and because of it, partly because of all those if, ands, buts, or maybes, there's a lot of borrowers that maybe should have been taking advantage of these plans in the past, but were not. Mm. So what the Biden administration is doing is saying, all right, Hail Mary pass. We are going to assume that if all of our borrowers knew about these plans right along, they would have been on them. And we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And we're going to give them credit towards the 2025 year forgiveness, um, even if they weren't actually on an income driven plan. So that's what's happening with this adjustment. I see. Well, we've got a caller, Mel, in Oakland, who might have been affected. Hi, Mel. You're on. Hi. Yes, I am one of those borrowers, and I did get an email over the weekend saying that my loan has been forgiven. And I totally didn't believe it. I thought it was complete spam. And then yesterday I called the federal student aid department, and it's verified. I am actually having my loan forgiven, and I completely fit the demographic, paying for decades, never could really pay my loan down, still had a healthy balance. And, um, you know, I think people should understand that people that had to borrow like me really probably used the money to their benefit. I really think education should be free. And we're now uh, most people are indentured by student loans. Well, Mel, I'm so curious. How did it feel when you got that note, or at least when you realized this was for real? Oh, my God. I didn't even quite realize myself how much I had been burdened by my loans. And it was such a relief. Um, I just, I basically still can't quite believe it. And when you say burdened by our loans, do you mind if I ask Mm -hmm. what an example is or how it affected your life, if you have an example of that? Um, I think I'm actually really, really typical. It made it very difficult to buy property. Um, it always shows up on your credit report. And um, you just know that no matter what you do, you can't discharge that loan. You can't declare bankruptcy. If you try to not pay, they come after your tax returns or your Social Security or they go into your bank accounts, there's basically nothing you can do. And um, so it was just an incredible, incredible mm. relief. I'm a retired person, mm. and um, I'm on a fixed income, and the thought of having to continue to pay that debt was really daunting. Well, Mel, thanks so much for calling in and, and sharing that with us, and, um, and happy for you. Um, wow, Betsy Mayotte. That's kind of amazing. I, I do understand that if people haven't heard that they <laughs> have their loan forgiven yet and think they qualify, they shouldn't freak out. This could take a while. Oh, it's going to take a while. And please, please, please don't call your servicer and say, when's my turn? They don't have that information. They get the files directly from the Department of Education. And there is no way 
to push yourself to the front of the line. So people are going to have to put their patient's pants on and just know that anybody, basically, if your loan has been eligible for the COVID pause and you've been enjoying 0% interest, they are going to do the adjustment on your account at some point between August 12th and the end of 2024. So I want to ask you about the save plan. Um, What do we need to know about that one? Okay, so the save plan is sort of a, um, a is taking an existing plan called the repay plan, and they're giving it a new outfit. And this outfit is a lot more flattering, especially for borrowers whose uh, student loan balances are high compared to their income. The save plan, which part of it is going to be effective on uh, July 30th, and then the other part of it isn't going to be effective until next year on, on July 1st. But it should lower the um, anybody who's currently on an income-driven plan already, whether it be repay, pay-as-you-earn, income-based repayment, income-contingent repayment. The SAVE plan should lower their payment from what it is now under an income-driven plan. The other thing that it does, which is huge, so one of the big uh, criticisms of the income-driven plans up to now is that, sure, it'll lower your payment. It'll base it on your income. In fact, you can, if your income is low um, or you have a Duggar's worth of dependents, um, you could end up with a $0 payment and know that you would get forgiveness after the 20 or 25 years. However, in those situations, you know, it was really frustrating for borrowers who would make a payment every month only to watch their balance increase. Um, And even if you know you're getting forgiveness eventually, that's really demoralizing. Um, And those are for situations where the borrower's calculated payment was less than the amount of interest that was accruing on their loan. So what one of the big pieces of save is that that won't happen. If your calculated payment on the save plan is less than the amount of interest that's accruing on your loans every month, the government is going to waive the rest of that interest. So people will know people on that plan will no longer have to worry about essentially negative amortization. And then finally, the part that's effective next year is for borrowers with undergraduate loans, instead of them using 10 or 15 or even 20% of their discretionary income as their payment, it will only be 5%. And for borrowers with Parent PLUS loans, uh, consolidated Parent PLUS loans, um, and uh, graduate loans, uh, that will still be the 10%. Again, we're talking with Betsy Mayotte, founder of the Institute of Student Loan Advisors, and we're taking your questions about the new debt relief plans from the Biden administration in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision to strike down his bigger debt cancellation plan. And we're talking about the viability and future of loan borrowing for students with some of these changes that are being put in place. We are taking your questions. We are hearing your stories about the impact that student debt has had on you. Email addresses forum at kqed.org. You can find us on our social channels at KQED Forum. You can call us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. And we've got Larry in Redwood City on the line. Hi, Larry. You're on. Hi, good morning. Thank you for uh, taking my call. So um, I'm going to be 70 years old at the end of this month. Um, I went back to college. I had never finished my degree. I graduated with my bachelor's in 2021. 
I graduated last month with my master's in education. So I have about $45,000 of loan debt. And because I was over 62 years old, that I was given a 50% discount on my education. So in reality, that would have been in real life $90,000. So I have 45000 in debt. I've been pay, making, um, I'll call it goodwill, $100 a month. But I'm also retired. And, you know, my income is very reduced. I am a substitute teacher part-time. Um, so I just want to know what, what, what should I do? Should I just mm. pay them off? Take, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm confused. Continue with a hundred dollars a month or I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Larry, thanks. Betsy. Yeah. So <clears throat> listen, the name of the game is paying the least amount over time. And I want to, I say that first because especially lately people get so caught up in the word forgiveness. That's what they sort of hyper-focus on. And for some people, paying the least amount over time does mean pursuing a forgiveness program. But for other people, it might mean paying the loans off aggressively. Um, Larry, in your situation, um, I don't know what your full financial picture is, and I don't think we need to talk about that on the radio to millions of people. <laughs> um, but let, let me say this. If, if, you're, um, if you have the capability to pay it all off at once, that's probably what's going to cost you the least amount over time due to reduced interest costs. You only pay um, interest for as, you know, whatever the balance is and for the long, as long as you have it out. On the flip side, the other strategy is to get on one of these income driven plans, most likely the save plan um, and pay the minimum. And, and, you know, once you retire fully, your payment could very well be zero. Um, depending on what your taxable income is at that point. And then you would just ride it out and end up with forgiveness after the, the actually in your case, it'd mostly be 25 years because I'm assuming most of this is graduate school debt. So um, there's a great calculator on studentaid.gov um, that should be updated with the save plan data um, in early August. You can use that to sort of run the numbers and figure out what will cost you the least out of pocket. Well, Larry, thanks for the question and good luck to you. I, I'm i wondering, so if people's repayments are set to begin as soon as October, their interest, I guess, begins accruing in September? Is that right, Betsy Mayer? Yeah, September yeah. 1st. Okay. So Ariana writes, I borrowed less than 21000 originally. I didn't pay for many years because I was poor. In fact, I defaulted because I couldn't pay. I started paying in the past few years, and then the payments were frozen due to COVID. Anyway, I now owe $75,000. $75,000! Exclamation. Because of the interest and penalties of not paying? But it's so unfair to owe three times what I borrowed. Your comment... Uh, are these programs something that would help Ariana? I mean, they could. So first, so there's another temporary program. Uh, I, you know, I said earlier that these are extraordinary times. Um, it's called the Fresh Start Program. Yes. Um, it's only available until a year after the pause is over. So it's only going to be available until August of 2024. And it's a way for defaulted borrowers to get out of default pretty much immediately with no additional collection costs, and it takes the default line off your credit report like it was never there. So I encourage her, first of all, to take advantage of the Fresh Start program, which she can do just by contacting whomever is holding the loans right now. After that, she can get on um, you know, one of these income-driven plans. 
she'll also get the uh, one-time income-driven plan adjustment. So other than the period she was in default, she will get credit for all her past history. And depending on how long it's been, she might be darn close to forgiveness under these income-driven plans. She'll just need to be on the income-driven plan, you know, to accrue payments going forward. Well, Ariana, thanks. I hope that helps you. And Bill writes, student loans used to be dischargeable in bankruptcy, like most debt. Congress changed that for reasons. Maybe Congress could fix that? What do you think, Betsy? Fun fact, and I'm so glad this question came in. One of the biggest myths that we contend with in the student loan industry is that student loans are not dischargeable in bankruptcy. That is false. Hmm. Um, they absolutely are. Now, is it easy? No, it isn't. Um, you need to make sure you have an attorney that knows their student loan stuff. You need to file what's called an uh, adversarial proceeding. But one other thing that the Biden administration has done is they've actually loosened up the rules that the Department of Justice uses when they respond to someone who is including student loans in their bankruptcy, which makes it a little less difficult than it was. So um, now with that said, could Congress sort of bring the law back and sort of align student loans with other types of consumer debt? They certainly could. And the way to get attention to that is for people to write their congressional reps. We're talking about the future of student loans, what's happening with student loan forgiveness and new plans by the Biden administration to help those in debt. We're talking with Betsy Mayotte, founder of the Institute of Student Loan Advisors. What questions do you have about Biden's new debt relief plans? Do you have student debt that you thought would be canceled but now must start paying? How are you dealing with that? Do you think the federal government should cancel student debt? If you've held student debt for a while, how has it affected your life and decisions you've made? You can email forum at kqed.org. You can find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or threads. We're at KQED Forum. You can give us a call at 866-733-6786, And Gene writes, when I lived in Alaska back in the late 80s, they offered an Alaska State Student Loan Program. It was a generous program designed to keep talent in the state of Alaska. Some of the features were you borrow money to attend college anywhere, lower interest rates and payments than typical loans. If you finish school, payments don't begin until 13 months after you graduate. More of your experiences after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. There's a lot happening with student loans, and we are sorting through that today with Betsy Mayotte, founder of the Institute of Student Loan Advisors. And hearing your questions and experiences, you can join us at 866-733-6786 by emailing forum at kqed.org or finding us on our social channels at KQED Forum. Mary in Lake County. Hi, Mary. You're on. Mary, I think we're having just a little bit of trouble with your connection there. So we'll try to get that straightened out. In the meantime, let me introduce Alfredo Camacho, West Coast Regional Director for Young Invincibles, who is on the line. Alfredo, thanks so much for being with us. Yes, thank you for having me. And Young Invincibles has been mobilizing young people around student loan issues. And I understand you've had your own journey navigating student debt. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. And so I I actually uh, learned about Young Invincibles a few years ago. Um, So I, you know, very long, complicated story, but I'll I'll simplify it for you all. Went to community college um, with the intention of saving some money. Um, Of course, this was at the height of the Great Recession. Um, You know, uh, getting classes was difficult. So I opted to go to a uh, private school, um, you know, with the hopes of finishing faster, not having to compete with, you know, um, the hordes of people going back to get retrained. Um, And so I left with some student um, debt, (laughs) um, about 45,000. Um, and, you know, could not find a job, uh, struggled, uh, went into forbearance, actually was was suggested by my loan servicer to go into forbearance um, and eventually went into default. It just piled up um, and it I actually did not fix it until right before I went to grad school two years ago. Wow. Um, I'm so struck, Betsy, by Alfredo sharing that story with regard to, you know, the debt that he was carrying and how you know, defaulting just really seems like it was not an uncommon experience. We've talked a little bit about the impact of defaulting and what it can have on people earlier, but I wonder if you want to just add anything in terms of what people should be really aware of in terms of impact. Yeah, so I'm really glad that we're talking about this because what I'm seeing is some borrowers that are so frustrated with the fact that the Supreme Court struck down the broad student loan forgiveness that their reaction has been, well, I'm just not going to pay. Um, and the impact of student loan default can be huge. It can, it's definitely will cost you a lot more money to default than it would to get on an affordable lower payment option. Um, not only will it d- dramatically negatively affect your credit for a very long time, um, the government can add under the law, the government can add up to 24% of your balance in collection costs. Uh, It also can prevent you from getting many jobs, um, especially jobs in the financial industry. You can't get any additional student loans if you haven't finished your degree and wanna go back to school. They'll garnish um, up to 15% of your wages, your social security, they'll take your tax refunds. Um, So it really can be very expensive um, to default on your student loan. Well, Alfredo, you became an advocate for others with debt. What are you telling folks to do if they're reaching out for advice or support? What are you hearing from them in the wake of the SCOTUS decision? We heard earlier from a representative from the Student Loan Servicing Department, uh, the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation for the state, that a lot of people are confused or angry. Yeah. And first off, Betsy, um, a similar experience. I mean, my wages were garnished. Um, I had 
just a lot of uh, fall fallout because of what happened with uh, default. I mean, I went through this nine month um, rehabilitation program, and I I think I made my last payment, um, so I can be reinstated for Title Four um, like thirty days before I started grad school. So I was on the verge of not even starting grad school on time because of of default. Um, but in terms of what I'm hearing, um, you know, people tend to think that young people are this is rallying them up and they're going to, you know, come out in droves. But, you know, young people have been, you know, let down, um, not by the administration, but, you know, by by past generations um, so much that what we're seeing is a lot of apathy. I mean, they're they're definitely angry and, and let down. But really, it's just like, hey, you know, um, there there's kind of like um desensitized to like all the decisions that are that are being done and what I will say is my advice is not I do hear it a lot like hey you know I'm gonna forgive my student loans myself and just not pay them but I I tell people no that is from experience that is the worst thing you can do and it, it will take uh a lot of work I mean even when you're in a rehab program you cannot miss a payment whatsoever and if you're already struggling with missing payments um that's you know it makes it even more difficult for you to get out of that cycle um so yeah definitely um you know telling them about all of the programs fresh start the safe program um pslf which is you know a viable option that I actually enrolled in um and benefited from uh, through this um uh, extension or through the um temporary extension that happened during the pandemic so really just trying to figure out what programs work best for for them well, let me go to caller Eric in San Bernardino. Hi, Eric. You're on. Hi. How are you doing? Well, what's on your mind? Good. 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 Listen, I just wanted to point out that I had gone through probably three different loan servicers, and I don't think they actually shake hands and share data very well, hmm. because I had been paying for 20 years at least, and I owed more than I started with, which was very, very daunting. And with working with them, when I actually started calling them up and having them look at my files, it really helped out because they actually noticed, oh, wait a second, your loan should have been forgiven. They wouldn't even have noticed wow. if I hadn't called. And wow. like I said, they said, oh, you've made 150 payments. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they said, well, you're going to get a refund. I go, what? So my loan was forgiven. And someone that's being retired, that just retired, that's a lot of money that I don't have to worry about coming out of my fixed income. And um, so the one thing I would suggest is to contact your, your, uh, your loan servicers. Because like I said, I don't think they have a grasp on what's been going on in your, in your loan past. And um, it has been a great lift off of me emotionally. And uh, so I hope everything works out for people. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you were able to to figure that out, Betsy, really quick. Um, I know, I'm sure you are glad for Eric too. You had mentioned, don't call your loan servicer. Just if you want to just talk about, you know, under what conditions it would be worthwhile to do that. I have heard that even over the course of the payment pause, people's servicers may have changed and they might not even know it. Yeah. So a couple things real quick. It sounds like uh, this caller, congratulations, by the way, benefited from the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Limited Waiver. Mm. And that's why they ended up getting forgiveness like that. And that was a that, that was a, a good reason to call. 
I'm saying don't call about the income-driven plan one-time adjustment. Yes. Um, because they won't have information about that at, at this point. Um, but, you know, there's a great message here. The best way to make sure that you pay the least amount over time is to be involved with your student loans and educate yourself about them rather than letting them manage you. And let's go to caller John in San Jose next. Hi, John. You're on. Hi. Um, right. I'm in the San Jose area. Can you hear me okay? I can. You're on. Oh, great. Um, so um, my question is, or kind of a comment or both, is that there seems to be an assumption on this program that loan forgiveness or um, help with repayment is a net good. Uh, the original loan forgiveness program, the one that was struck down by the Supreme Court, seemed kind of like a sop to Biden voters, progressive voters, and I count myself among them. But I'm just wondering, what to what degree are these newest proposed plans um, going to, uh, to what degree are they going to cost taxpayers? Uh, mm. Is it fair that a taxpayer would be on the hook for, you know, a UC Berkeley art history major's degree? Um, anyway, I can take my answer yeah. off the air. Sure, John, thanks so much. Betsy, I- I'm sure... You've heard this, and and I, I have heard this as well. What do you think? You know, <clears throat> I think to me a bigger <clears throat> point of discussion is that uh, my concern is that we're not focusing on the actual problem. Student loan debt is the symptom of the real problem, which is the cost of higher education. So... What has frustrated me about the discussion of forgiveness, and listen, just to be very clear, I'm supportive um, of these thoughtful forgiveness programs, um, but we, this is, these loans are just going to accrue all over again the very next day. And, you know, my question is, and this is going to get me taken off some Christmas card lists, is, is it time for some of the schools to have some skin in the game? You know, I agree. Is it fair that the taxpayer should be paying for forgiveness? Maybe the schools should be the one to have some skin in the game. And maybe that might be a way to encourage more thoughtful tuition policies. Well, Desmond writes, I'm opposed to blanket cancellations and forgiveness for those who took out huge college loans. I had to turn down the opportunity for an Ivy League education because my family and I simply could not afford it. I worked three jobs to put myself through a state education and graduated debt-free. You know, Alfredo, I'm curious how how you feel young people place the blame. So I saw this poll that came out from Axios recently that, that basically talked about how the issues of unforgiven student loan debt and so far is, is squarely at the feet of the Supreme Court and the GOP, that most young people feel this way. They're not necessarily putting it <clears throat> at Biden and maybe, let's say, you know, some pretty unprecedented and dramatic plans that may not have survived legal scrutiny as part of the reason. And they're not really putting it on schools. Is that also, does that sound about right in terms of what you're hearing among the people at Young Invincibles? I think it's a number of, of issues, right? And so the, uh, to echo what Betsy mentioned, I, this is, um, you know, it really just tells us more about uh, the crisis that is college affordability, um, and so it, it's very complicated. I mean, you're looking at um, issues with cost of living. You're looking at, you know, the need for higher education. Like it is no longer a, a option, but a requirement. I mean, we've heard, um, you know, that the bachelor's degree is the new, you know, high school diploma. 
um, and the master's degrees, the new bachelor's degrees. So it's no longer a requirement, but, you know, it, that takes some thought and some, you know, really looking into the issue to understand how complex it goes. Um, we also know, you know, in the past, um, you could work over one summer and pay off for your four years of college. And that's no longer the case. So um, without, you know, having that historical knowledge of how college has, the, the cost of college has increased, um, you really don't know that. So you have to put the blame on someone. And I feel like it, the Supreme Court, since they are the culprit, they're timely and they're getting a lot of news coverage. It's just the easiest to blame. We're talking about how to deal with student loan debt, new plans by the Biden administration to help those in debt. And you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to caller Laura in San Francisco. Hi, Laura. You're on. Hi there. Um, good morning. Um, I I have a question. I'm seeking some advice about the public service loan forgiveness program specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the other caller earlier who had his loans forgiven, um, great for him. I also benefited from that limited uh, waiver, and I submitted all my paperwork for forgiveness. I'm two payments over, 120. Um, And that was three months ago. (laughs) That was back in April. And my servicer told me to um, wait about 90 days because they had to receive a letter for approval of discharge from the Federal Office of Student Aid. I waited my 90 days. Nothing happened. I called back. They said, well, you know, we can't really do anything. Um, When your loans come due, you could put them in forbearance again because my payment's due in September. So then I call the Federal Office of Student Loans uh, or Student Aid, and they tell me that there's no timeline for when to submit, when they might submit that information to my, that approval to my servicer, um, and that I should continue to make my payments when they come due. So I'm just wondering if you have any advice around how to navigate that thing. I, I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop, and I'm not so, uh, hmm. I'm not so convinced my loans will be for. Mm, well, Laura, demoralizing. Thanks. oh, I, I, I'm sorry. And then that makes sense. And I should rem- remind listeners, the public service loan forgiveness program often goes to public service workers like teachers, firefighters, government workers, people in public interest, law, nursing, so on. And so, Betsy, any hope for Laura? Laura, believe it or not, you are on track. Your experience is very um similar to what everybody's um, experience has been. I will tell you the 90 days is actually 90 business days. Um, So you're still on track. I'm not worried about you at all. Um, I actually think that you probably will see the smiley face and the $0 balance before your first payment is due in October. But if you end up being an outlier and I'm wrong, you have two choices. You could either ask for that forbearance um, until they process it, or you could continue to make payments knowing that they will automatically be refunded for, f- to you if it turns out you've paid more than the 120 payments. So I go back to what I said before, um, put on those patients' pants, um, tighten the belt on them, and maybe put on some suspenders as well. <laughs> uh, let me go next to caller Jason in Sacramento. Hi, Jason, you're on. Hi. Um, question, I have a, a teenager who is entering his senior year and was just curious if the guests had any advice for those who may be entering into student debt in the near future. 
Mm, Jason, thank you. Great question. And it kind of just reminds me a little bit about what Desmond was saying about the choices he made not to take on debt at an Ivy League school that he couldn't afford. What What's your advice on that, Betsy? Um, I'm so glad this question came up. Um, so first of all, you're ahead of the game by worrying about it now instead of worrying about it later. Um, unfortunately, the the education for education's sake is gone. And sadly, it's become a return on investment. So I urge you to treat the college choice and the debt choice as a financial decision rather than an emotional one. I see a lot of parents that say, well, this is my kid's dream school. I'm going to do whatever it takes and get into whatever debt it takes to achieve that. But you should know that 70% or more of undergraduate students change uh, degrees and or schools at some point during their academic career. So, you know, if your child um, is dead set on an expensive dream school, one way to reduce the debt level is to start off at a lower cost community college or state school, accruing the credits that are sort of standard across most degrees, and then transfer into that to that more expensive school. But really pay attention at how much you have to borrow that first year and then multiply that by five and see if that's a debt level that you're willing to live with and that will be affordable. Thanks so much for that question, Jason. And Betsy Mayotte, I should say, is doing a series of free webinars for the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. And if you want to learn more about those, <clears throat> they're, <clears throat> excuse me, they're at dfpi.ca.gov. In addition to that, we're hearing from the San Francisco Treasurer's Office, who writes that Smart Money Coaching is a free service provided by the Local Government Office of Financial Empowerment in San Francisco, and anyone who lives, works, or receives services in San Francisco can schedule a free one-on-one -on -one appointment with a financial coach if you're a student borrower who's preparing to make repayment this October. And Alfredo, just give us one resource that you would love young people to know about. Well, um, right now, the, uh, the federal government is actually taking comments for the um, negotiated rulemaking. So yep. they, the Department of Education website, they can actually put in their comments. We've been putting a call out to young people to to do this. So that would be the best bet to take action. It's quick. Yep, that's the public hearing on student loan relief by the U.S. Department of Education that's going on now. Alfredo, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Alfredo Camacho, West Coast Regional Director of Young Invincibles. Betsy Mayotte, so great to have you. It was my pleasure. I had fun. Good. And my thanks to producer Dan Zoll for producing today's segment and for all our listeners for sharing your experiences and questions. So helpful. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.